The Other Side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. Hello, thanks for joining us for another episode of The Other Side podcast. I'm Scott Kirk, and joining me in studio is Vince McGrail and Trisha Bingham from the Central Ohio chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. Vince is the executive director and CEO, and Trisha is the director of programs and services. Also joining us is Rod Blau, who is experiencing the early stages of the disease. Thanks, guys, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Vince or Trisha, either one of you are welcome to take the first question. What does the Alzheimer's Association do? Well, the association was founded on care and support. Um, So we're there in the communities, every community across the country um, for the families who need us today. So though, if you have been diagnosed yourself or if you have a loved one that's diagnosed and you need to be a caregiver, we're there in the local community to, to reach out to to provide care and support. And and by that, we have a, a 1-800 toll-free 24-7 phone line. You can call in any time, day or night. Mm-hmm. Um, from that connection, we can connect you into the programs that we provide. We have education programs that help families understand what's to come so they can plan. We have staff um, that Trisha's staff works with, so she could speak to this in more detail, but working with families to put a, a plan in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that care and support needs of the, in, within the community right now, if people diagnosed and the caregivers, that's what we were founded on. That's what we continue to provide. Broader than that, we push very strong on federal public policy and state public policy f- for issues that are going to help families, whether it's on the research front and driving research or at the state level, state public policy that, that puts policies in place that are going to help families. Who pays for most of the research? Is it government funded or from private entities or two things the association when we do our fundraising whether it's the walk to end alzheimer's or any other fundraising effort that we have a part of that goes directly into research grants that the association manages we have a medical science team Mm -hmm. um, at our home office in chicago that works around the country and funds research of the i would say the best and the brightest research out there who may not qualify for nih funding for Mm -hmm. research um, and then that goes back to the public policy issue is if we drive research funding from the federal side, we've grown from 500 million a year to now we're looking at, Rod, we're looking at 2.8 billion a year in federal research funding. As of last night, the House put forward 350 million more dollars. So we've got a lot of momentum in the last five years driving federal dollars for research. And so what we try to do as the association is help those researchers who may not qualify for NIH funding mm-hmm. to, to grow their research to be able to qualify because that's where we've grown tremendously in the, in the federal funding. So there's a tremendous amount of research that's going on today that wasn't happening just, just a handful of years ago. Now, Tricia, maybe you can help us understand what is the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? You hear those terms a lot used interchangeably, and I'm not sure if people are really clear on what the difference is. That's a great question, and you're right. Um, People do use these two terms interchangeably. When people are, even when their loved one is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, they'll say they're diagnosed with dementia. Dementia is really an umbrella term for a group of symptoms that fall into the category of um, short-term memory loss, confusion, and those kinds of things. So there's always a root to the reason that someone has dementia. So dementia is just a label of a group of symptoms 
But Alzheimer's disease is truly a neurologic pathology disease that affects the brain. So when you're hearing someone say they have dementia, many people can mean many things by that. And our association mission and goal is to help educate the public on the fact that if they do believe they're starting to experience some brain changes or just trying to understand what brain health truly means, that's what we're here to do is help educate on that difference of what really is dementia and what truly is Alzheimer's disease and related neurologic dementias. It's not unusual for a person as they they get older to become a little more forgetful. Maybe they misplace something. What differentiates just normal forgetfulness or or age-related things that come with getting older versus actually having dementia or even more specifically Alzheimer's? That's a great question, and I'll answer a little bit of that, and then I'm going to turn it over to Rod since Rod could really explain his unique path on understanding that this wasn't normal aging that was going on with him. But um, the difference between normal aging and Alzheimer's disease, I think several decades ago, people just believed that Alzheimer's-like symptoms were normal aging. As you got older, you were just going to struggle um, with memory loss, with planning issues, and those kinds of things. But we know that's not the case. This was originally diagnosed in 1906 by Alice Alzheimer's, um, the physician. And we've made great strides in the last three decades on understanding how to evaluate brain changes and the differences between normal aging brains and those that are struggling from dementia such as Alzheimer's disease or vascular dementia. So there's other dementias besides Alzheimer's what disease. What is vascular dementia? Vascular has to do with um, stroke-related dementia. Mm-hmm. that affects the vascular system. There are similar changes like Alzheimer's disease. So if you were imagining you were having what we call, um, and I'm not a physician or a scientist, but what you would imagine, um, maybe some small strokes in the brain where you don't see this necessarily on the outside, mm-hmm. and you'll see someone change in functioning because of this vascular event. So they can have some confusion and some short-term memory loss and some other cognitive impairments as a result of this vascular incident. So we do have different types of dementia, Alzheimer's being the most vast, um, 50 to 75 percent of those that are diagnosed with a neurologic disease is Alzheimer's disease. But I'll let Rod comment a little bit about how he understood that what he was experiencing wasn't normal aging for him. Rod, I'm glad Trisha brought that up. When did you first notice something that I guess seem wrong or or out of the the normal for you. Yeah, we that have Alzheimer's have a different uh, course that uh, brings us to an understanding of the disease. In my particular case, it was a series of concussions. Uh, I fell at work uh, three or two times, and uh, in a third case, had a serious bicycle accident. And as a result of the concussions, I uh, had some neurological testing done and it showed that I had deterioration of uh, my mental uh, and cognitive uh, processing ability. Mm -hmm. As a result of that, I had uh, uh, a baseline established, so they did some additional testing with an MRI, and the MRI showed that I had some indication of markers of Alzheimer's disease. Now, at this point, I was only... Uh, 57 years old, so I was a very young man. Uh, They then did a a spinal tap, and a spinal tap is able to pull some markers that uh, further determine whether one has 
uh, Alzheimer's disease or not. Uh, it was determined that I had uh, some markers that showed that I had Alzheimer's disease. So at the age of 58, uh, I went from a 70-hour-a-week executive at one of the large uh, major employers here in town to um, uh, being unemployed because of uh, Alzheimer's disease. Wow. And in my case, I also have Lewy body's disease. Okay. Uh, so uh, Trish mentioned that uh, dementia is the umbrella uh, that uh, is used to describe all the types of um, uh, uh, difficulties that people have mm-hmm. with their, uh, their memory and their cognitive ability. Alzheimer's disease is one. I have early onset Alzheimer's disease. Another is Lewy body's disease. It's caused by a different uh, set of uh, physiological uh, circumstances. I have that too, so I'm kind of a a double uh, double winner, if you will. What symptoms does the Lewy's body mm-hmm. disease cause? Lewy bodies, in addition to uh, difficulty with memory and cognitive processing, it has Parkinsonian uh, symptoms, which would be tremors, uh, loss of body control. Uh, I have difficulty uh, with some uh, gross motor skills now that I didn't used to have. Uh, so I went from being um, a, a well-conditioned uh, athlete that was an executive to now barely being able to tie my shoes and not being able to work in a period of just a few years of this disease. And if you can describe to me what it was like the moment when you got the diagnosis, what did you think? How did you feel? One would expect uh, that to be an aha moment, a critical moment, one that was very emotional. For me, it was not. For me, it was a progression of understanding uh, the possibilities of what disease or diseases I might have. And when the actual diagnosis came, I had prepared myself. And the reason that I was so well prepared has a lot to do with the Alzheimer's Association because as it became apparent that I might have Alzheimer's disease, I was plugged into the Alzheimer's Association and my wife and I um, became very active and very engaged. And so we learned a lot about the disease. In the process of learning about the disease, it helped to remove a lot of the fear that we otherwise would have had. Gotcha. So... If I understand you correctly, there is now basically a test. Is that correct to say that basically now you can there's a test that you can take? And I guess if you have certain genetic markers, you can pretty much find out whether you have it or not. Is that is that where we're at in terms of the medicine? Not necessarily. Um, There is a yes, there are tests that you can take that can help you identify if you have this A.E. Um, APOE4 genetic disposition. Depending on different type of tests, it's not necessarily going to, unless you have a very rare component, um, less than 3% of the population like the Still Alice movie was based on. I think it's actually around 4% of the population. Many people will know that they have an increased chance to develop this disease. There's an evaluation that is done that looks at ruling out other issues as well as looking at what are the hallmarks that we know um, that go with Alzheimer's disease through the spinal tap that he was referring to in the MRI and things like that. So 
It's an overall evaluation that looks at psychology aspects to health, to um, x-rays, um, to biomarkers, and to spinal fluid. So some people do not want to know, even if they had a family disposition and might have an increased chance of developing Alzheimer's disease based on how it's in their family. I, I just want to stop you there, Trisha. Sure. So it is genetically transmitted. So if it runs in your family, you have a greater chance of... You have a greater chance. Okay. You have a greater chance. But I would add that um, while Trisha is absolutely right, one has a greater chance. In my case, there's no family history of uh, Alzheimer's disease or dementia. Okay. Uh, if I take, I have taken the uh, test for the genetic markers, I have no genetic markers for Alzheimer's disease. Really? So I'm a bit of an anomaly in a couple of cases. Although what Trish is saying is absolutely right. There is a, a genetic predisposition for Alzheimer's when one has a hereditary basis for it. What is the long-term prognosis for people with the disease as it stands right now? On average, um, after diagnosis, it's four to eight years on average. Really? But one can live up to 20 years. And depending on the age of diagnosis, that can also change your unique path with this disease. So what we have learned recently is the brain can be changing for up to 20 years now before we actually see our first symptoms. So this is why brain health and understanding your cognitive health is just as important as understanding your blood pressure health and your, your disposition for diabetes. And for instance, what Ron was talking about with his concussions, we do know that people who have experienced concussions have a greater risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. So wait, it was the concussion the trigger for the disease or did he have the disease and as a result lost his you know ability to keep that's, his balance? That's an excellent question. The uh, There isn't a definitive answer to that. The most likely scenario is that I had Lewy body's disease developing in my body and didn't know it. And that uh, that created the episodes that led to the concussions, perhaps even to the bicycle accident. And as a result of those concussions, got me into the medical system, which allowed them to diagnose the early onset Alzheimer's and the Lewy body's disease. I'm just curious, that was how long ago when you first got the diagnosis? That was in 2014. Have your symptoms gotten progressively worse since then? That's a that's a really good question. My uh, symptoms were getting worse and worse pretty quickly uh, at, a, at kind of a frightening rate. But over the last year and a half, two years, uh, they've leveled off, uh, stabilized, and in some cases have even improved. Really? And are, is, are you on any type of medication? or? I am. I'm taking the uh, classic medications that are used for uh, those that are on Alzheimer's. Um, anyone that goes to a, uh, a neurologist that treats people with uh, Alzheimer's disease will know the uh, regimen of uh, pharmaceuticals that are used for the uh, the treatment. Uh, I also uh, have uh, chosen to uh, uh, use uh, mar- uh, medical marijuana, and that has been a very helpful part of my uh, recovery program. Talking to you, sitting here next to you, I, I would not outwardly. I would have no idea. So, what are just some daily 
things that you deal with that I guess would obviously are, are different for you? Yeah, some of the much of this has to do with I'm just a tough <laughs> that won't stop. <laughs> All right. So uh, a lot of people uh, at my state would be sitting in a recliner with a blanket over their head and just kind of waiting for the end. But I'm just uh, refusing to do that. I've decided that I'm going to make the uh, the best of this. So uh, instead of doing that, I'm going out and advocating with uh, state senators and state legislators uh, to try to get them to support, uh, which they have, the state plan, uh, Senate Bill uh, 24, for a plan to um, address the Alzheimer's uh, situation that we have in the state of Ohio. Uh, we now have to develop the... Uh, uh, the workings to uh, support that plan so that it actually produces some results. In addition to that, I decided that I was going to uh, live one of my bucket list dreams and buy a boat. Uh, so I went out and bought a 19-foot Sea uh, Ray boat and uh, take my dad fishing every week up on Lake Erie. He's 86 years old. I bought a TTS uh, Audi convertible, one of my bucket nice. list cars, and it's bright orange. <laughs> and I bought uh, season tickets to the Browns, who are disappointing the hell out of me. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I go to every uh, home brand, uh, Browns game. I used to run marathons. And uh, now the walk from the uh, parking garage to the stadium and back is the equivalent of running a marathon. When I get to the car, I literally am drenched with sweat and can barely uh, breathe. But uh, I'm not giving in to the disease. So I'm making the best of, of uh, the life that I have available. This question is to Trisha or, or Vince. Are there things people can do to slow down the disease? Things like if you stay active, does that make a difference? If you do more cognitive exercises, would that help? Or is it pretty much the disease is going to progress how it's going to progress? No, there are definitely things that you can be doing, and the Alzheimer's Association is part of the Healthy Brain Initiative, and this is helping to educate the public that although there is no cure right now, things that affect our brain, when you think about what is heart health, mm -hmm. think about brain health. We know that we have great research and um, understanding that just came recently out of the Sprint Mind study that was looking at overall factors of a healthy physical body and brain. And we know that high blood pressure now increase is as high blood pressure is tied to dementia and developing Alzheimer's disease. And we know that in this study that if you um, brought your blood pressure back within normal limits, the systolic, the upper, closer to 120, people who had mild cognitive impairment improved. So this is a huge finding. So we know that if you're not, um, if you can regulate your blood sugars and um, not, if you're predispos predispositioned to developing diabetes, getting on top of those things, because we know that if you have diabetes, you have an increase in a uh, higher than normal um, compared to the normal population of developing Alzheimer's disease. So we have this information coming out about diabetes, about blood pressure. Um, we have studies right now that are looking at changes in the eye that can help us predict also brain changes that are happening that are leaning towards developing mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease. And those are being, those. this is in study right now in clinical studies. So 
in answer to your question, learning a new task, staying stimulated, watching your diet, those things that we've always heard, the salt, the sugars, um, learning new tasks as we age, not staying in the same track and doing the same thing over and over again. We know that in past studies, having a higher education seems to be more protective to people's brains. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to protect it ultimately. Um, it also it, it helps the brain's uh, neuronal health. So anything that you're doing um, exercise-wise, getting your heart rate up uh, at least twice a week, eating right, understanding your, like I talked about, just your potential for diabetes, high blood pressure and those kinds of things are really important. I saw that the number of people being diagnosed is increasing. Is that, is it just that more people are contracting the disease or is it that because we're just more aware of it now? Um, Our population is aging. That's part of it. As, as you get older, your risk goes up. There are people out there like Rod who are talking about the disease more, encouraging others to, to come forward and talk about it, to understand it better, understanding the signs to look for so that your loved one gets a diagnosis. I mean, that's the critical thing is understanding what to look for so you can get in to get a diagnosis. I think there's just there's more of that happening where people are becoming they're talking about it more. And they're, so they're getting into the physician and getting the diagnosis. But there's a lot of work still to go. Vince, you mentioned that you one of the things that you guys do is work with the families. And I know that especially with with patients who have full-blown uh, dementia or Alzheimer's, it can be very taxing on the family members to try to care for them. What advice or, or what suggestions uh, would you have for family members or, or loved ones out there who, who may have someone who has the disease and uh, is either considering trying to care for them or is in the midst of trying to care for them? I would say the big thing is reach out to us. Reach out to the association. Trisha can talk specifically about programs and services that her team provides to our community here and at every chapter. Can I say the number? Absolutely. 1-800-272-3900. That's our association helpline. You can call this anytime you want, any time of day, holiday. It's 24-7. No no question is too small. And we have trained experts that are there to answer your questions and guide you to whatever it is you're looking for and then talk to you about things that you may not have thought of um, that we can help you with. That's our helpline. Um, We have over 80 chapters in the United States, Alzheimer's Association chapters. We cover a lot of territory. Each chapter does similar work. When we talk about care and support, we're not in the field of direct care where we provide the home care services or the Mm -hmm. respite services. But we are here to help guide you to those community resources, to help set up or guide you to the person that's going to help you with a legal and financial plan, to help you understand what do you look for in someone who might come in and provide care in your home. Or if you're thinking about um, changing your living environment and your person needs more supportive care and you want to go to an assisted living or a long-term care center, what do you look for in those? What is the... um, standard of care that you would want for your loved one who has dementia and we can help educate you on that when you were asking rod about the changes that he was experiencing right now in his um, early stages of alzheimer's disease we can help the caller understand um, and give you the education and the resource 
of what to look for, what is different about the brain and what is happening. For instance, Rod, as you mentioned, he looks unbelievably healthy and well, and, and for the most part, he is doing amazing but he is, and he has um, shared with you, he struggles with daily planning. It takes him longer to do tasks. It takes him longer to do what we would consider would be normal to us when we used to balance our checkbook. Numbers become very difficult. Um, remembering what to do, what you have going on that afternoon. The short-term memory loss is affected, and the long-term stays in place for much longer than the short-term issues. When When someone says, I might be forgetting my, I forget my keys. I'm always looking for my keys. Well, did you always look for your keys all your life? Or is it, I always put my keys in the same place and now I put them in a completely different place and I can't find them at all. And I'm 20 minutes looking for my keys or now I'm looking for my keys for an extraordinary period of time. So it's not just about forgetting where you put your keys for a few minutes or I'm having a little difficulty finding a file in my computer it's forgetting some of the, the steps in the computer process or forgetting that you saved something in this folder and how do you find it again. So these are disruptions to normal daily routines that had been going quite smoothly or at least without these other significant types of new changes. For instance, Rod and I met at the chapter today so we could drive down here together because driving in unknown areas or busy areas where you're not used to parking can be a little overwhelming, Uh, especially, I mean, I was having a difficult time enough just finding a parking meter that I could go put my change in. So let's put that in perspective. Uh, It was just uh, five years ago. I was traveling the country uh, every week. I was getting on an airplane, flying to a different city, doing my job, uh, running manufacturing facilities. And now my preference would be not to drive to uh, downtown Columbus. And it's because of Alzheimer's disease. Uh, this morning, it took me 10 minutes to put on my socks. You know, it, it's just, it's, there, there's a lot of things that um, uh, the disease of Alzheimer's and uh, Lewy bodies uh, just slows down uh, almost everything that one can do. And uh, it, just takes, it just takes a lot longer and the frustration builds. And when somebody says, well, you know, I, I, lost, I lost my keys too, you know, it's, it's kind of condescending, you know. It's yeah. like, well, you, you know, get in my world for a little while and you'll see what it's really like. You know, it's not, it's not losing your keys. It's not forgetting Vince's uh, uh, a name. Uh, it's that complete blocks of time disappear. Yeah. Rod, what worries you the most? You have a amazing positive attitude and outlook, but I'm sure there has to be something that worries you or concerns you. What is that? I do. And before I tell you that, I'm going to tell you that the most important the most important thing going back to what uh, Trish said earlier in terms of coping uh, mechanisms is a positive attitude. And uh, I write a blog called The Sunny Side of Alzheimer's. And uh, in that blog, I find the uh, positive aspects of the disease. And those include having the opportunity to spend time with my family that I didn't used to have. Uh, Those include uh, having the time to uh, explore a hobby that uh, I enjoyed when I was a kid, uh, fishing, that I haven't been able to do because I've been working 60 or 70 hours a week. 
So positive attitude is the most important aspect of uh, uh, having a, 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 the best life with this disease. But what, uh, what I have the greatest fear about uh, has absolutely nothing to do with me. I, I don't fear what's going to happen to my body or my mind. Uh, my greatest fear is what's going to happen to my family. Uh, my wife is going to be, uh, my wife is my primary caregiver. She's already spending a lot of her time and energy uh, helping me. And uh, she's made a commitment to help me spend uh, the rest of my life to the extent that we can at home as opposed to in a nursing facility. And that's a big commitment. So uh, I worry about my wife. I worry about the impact of my kids. You know, I see it in, in their eyes when they uh, think about what's going to happen to their dad. So, you know, those are the things that bother me. And I will have to say that Rod is an incredibly courageous person. Um, he is unique. As far as our association, we are only reaching 10% of all those affected. 10% really? of 5.8 million. Because Rod is in that unusual category where him and his wife, when they started facing this disease and the conversation about this disease, became proactive. They wanted to learn quickly. What do I do next? How do I get in front of this? I will have to share that this is really a fear-based disease for most because it's so threatening because there's no cure right now. So if there's no cure, it seems hopeless. And this is the thing, is, and Rod can share with you and Vince, is our association is committed, our mission is towards the elimination of Alzheimer's disease, care and support, and brain health, and a cure. So we have made great strides, even in just the last five years, um, on where we're going with medication. What I want to get back to, though, is the importance of talking to your doctor. 86% of people that see their doctor say they would like to know about their brain health. And less than half the people are aware of what's going on with their brain. Actually, only 16% of 86% polled that said that brain health is um, important to them are only walking away from interactions with their doctors at 16% of that 86%. So something is going on. We have to be able to be more proactive and get the physician's attention that this, to them, doesn't feel like normal aging. Everyone part of their Medicare wellness checkup has a cognitive health evaluation as part of that. That is free. That's part of your Medicare wellness checkup. People should be asking for that if the doctor isn't providing that. Um, there's a difference between thinking you have something going on, sharing it, and sharing it with your doctor. And then your doctor, they, doctors have different types of tools. Not every doctor is the same, but it's really important to share this information with your doctor. But Rod, wouldn't you say that it's incredibly important to get the, make sure that your doctor is aware of this, um, these issues, and start having that conversation with your doctor? Yes, I would agree. Uh, one of the most important uh, decisions I made was to be very transparent with my doctors about what was uh, uh, what I was experiencing. And because of that, I was able to get to the right uh, neurologist, the right uh, uh, psychologist, psychiatrist to uh, help me uh, progress to the point where I can sit here with you and have a good conversation uh, despite having the disease that I have. And we have online um, 
at www. I'm sorry, www.alz.org. We have information that tells you what to expect for a proper evaluation, what you can go in with some tools um, in writing that can show you how to kind of document changes that you can bring to your doctor in advance so you can start thinking these kind of things through as well, just kind of looking back in your history and what's going on. The other thing is we have clinical trials um, available. Our association has a clinical trial website, trialmatch.org. These clinical trials are not just for people like Rod who are actually facing the disease. These are for healthy individuals. We're looking now for people that are 18 and over for all types of studies. People can get involved in studies right now who are healthy. And the beauty of this is not only are you giving to research, but you're setting your own baseline about your own brain health and you're getting tests and evaluations that you normally couldn't afford otherwise that you would have to pay for out of pocket. Um, And this helps us move research along. So at our website, www www.alz.org, our helpline, 1-800-272-3900. We have a wealth of information, um, and we would be happy to help you with um, understanding this disease and steps related to it. So in the state of Ohio, there's 220,000 people, roughly, approximately diagnosed with the disease. For every one of those people, there are two to three caregivers in the family um, who's helping support them. Those That's the, the, the pool of people that we need to help support. At the organization, at the association with the staff that we have, we can only touch some of those people so much to help. Right. So what we rely on and what we're going to rely on even more on our, on our education area are volunteers who want to step up and get involved. And that's when I look at someone like Rod, who's very ins- incredibly inspirational to me personally because of what you're doing but you're a volunteer who has stepped up we need more people at all levels to be volunteers for us people who are interested in reaching out into their rural county and representing and doing educational programs business leaders like rod who want to get involved at a higher level to help us to 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 be a part of our board to be a part of leadership and drive awareness in the community because the more we can drive awareness the more we're going to get to that point that Trisha made that we got to get people talking to their, their primary. we got to get people talking to their doctor about what's going on so they can get in, understand what's going on, get the diagnosis, and then, like Rod, getting diagnosis early so that you can be a part of planning with your family. I just want to thank all three of you for coming in and, and sharing with us. I think uh, our listeners uh, will learn a lot. I know I certainly have. And, and Rod, especially to you for sharing your personal story with us. And, mm-hmm. and uh, man, you're just such an inspiration, I, I think, to, to anybody. For everybody else um, out there, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, we love to hear from our listeners. So check us out on our Facebook page at Facebook slash group slash Other Side Podcast. Or you can always hit us up on Twitter at Other Side underscore POD. And um, until the next time, try to see things from the other side. Thanks. Thanks.